We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for joining me today. I am your host, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So I'm so thankful that you tuned in and want to make sure that you remind your friends to listen as well. We have lots of good things, uh, lots of social media that's extremely helpful. And I want to make sure that you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. You can then go to the bio, and in there is a little link And it will take you to all kinds of things, lots of handouts, uh, study guides that go with the show so you can listen to the show and do the study guide to kind of help you think about it a little bit more. You can do it as a group. So I really appreciate that you are taking advantage of all that uh, I have been able to create for you. So today we are talking about fallenness. And I don't know if you remember, I mean, I may be dating myself, but (laughs) I don't know if you remember the commercial, Help, I've Fallen and I Can't Get Up. Now, you know, I remember listening to that and hearing that, that Help, I've Fallen and I Can't Get Up. And I think to myself, you know, wow, that's happened to me before. Now, not physically, fallen and can't get up, but I have fallen. So how do we recover from moral failing? How do we learn from our mistakes? How do you forgive yourself as others have forgiven you? You know, the most difficult person to forgive is ourself. No no one likes shocking themselves because of something they did that was stupid or thoughtless or immoral or whatever, unethical, inappropriate. You know, all those embarrassing things. You know, can you get over yourself? Will you allow yourself to become better because of the mistake? See, why do we waste 
all of our time and energy covering it up and hoping that no one finds out. The most admirable people are the ones that learn from their mistakes, and they become better people because of it. It's easier to forgive people that are already sorrowful and try to, than trying to forgive people that will not take responsibility for the mistake and the subsequent chaos or damage or financial hardship. And disappointment, you know, the relationship has to then endure and heal from. So who do you want to be? Because you are going to fall. You are going to mess up. You are going to make mistakes. That's what humans do. Unfortunately, humans learn best through their mistakes. I wish we could be just really intelligent, you know, on our game people and never have to make a mistake in order to learn. That we just watched other people do it and said, okay, now I don't have to do that. But there is this thing, and I'm not sure all of what it is other than our own fallenness, that, that we do make mistakes, and some are bigger than others. Some are really big, and some are just, you know, a little speed bump. So why do you waste all your time and energy covering it up and hoping that no one finds out? See, I think you'll agree with me when I say the most admirable people are the ones that learn from their mistakes and become better people because of it. So let me say that again. The most admirable people are the ones that learn from their mistakes and become better people because of it. See, it's easier to forgive people that are already sorrowful than it is to try to forgive people that will not take responsibility for the mistake. So there's a verse that these used to kind of scare me a little bit, but it, it really has helped me to recognize God's grace and that he does see everything. And I like to pretend like, you know, how little kids, you know, hide and think you can't, you don't know where they are. Or how about the, the um, you know, pet that covers up his eyes and thinks you can't see him or hides half of his body under the bed and thinks that you can't see him. So there's this verse in Ecclesiastes 4, chapter 4, verse 10. And it says, pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Now, that's very serious. And I thank God that I have people in my life that have helped me when I have fallen. And they haven't condemned me. They weren't necessarily happy with me. I have to tell you that. That is true. But they helped me. And one of the reasons that they were willing to help me is because I felt worse about what I did than they did. They didn't have to, like, you know, dial down on me and convince me. I already knew that I had messed up. And so they were much more able and willing to help me get back up. So how about this? This is Luke eight seventeen, and this is from the New Living Translation. And this is kind of frightening, but I think you'll know it to be true. And it says, For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought to the light and made known to all. Now, I'm not saying this to scare you, and I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm just saying to you, the truth always finds itself out. The truth, that, that quality that God created, is determined to shine light in dark places. And it wants to be found out. The truth doesn't decide between right or wrong in, when it comes to being found out. It just finds things out. 
And so ask yourself, you know, what causes us to fall? What causes us to make bad choices, to go against our own value system? I don't know. Is it, is it our pride? Is it our insecurities? Is it our fear? You know, are we lying to save face and avoid consequences? Or are we just maybe lying to ourselves? You know, I want to ask you, <clears throat> do you have a moral code that guides you so that you are aware of being off track so that you may try to redirect yourself to get back on track? I don't, I don't want you to be, you know, the little kid that's, that's, you know, closing their eyes and putting their hands over their face and thinking that nobody can find them. I want you to also make sure that you're not the person that feels entitled and justifies to yourself why you're allowed to do something stupid, hurtful, dangerous, risky, or expensive. And that instead of feeling the, the appropriate emotion, which is sorrow, maybe you galvanize yourself and become more prideful and say, nobody's going to call me out on anything. You know you're allowed to do that. It never works. Nobody ever feels good about it. We just end up doing more things and end up having to apologize for more. And we end up maybe losing relationships at the same time or jobs or, uh, I don't know, people's faith in us. So I want you to say to yourself, do you have a moral code that guides you so that you're aware of being off track so that you may redirect yourself and get yourself back on track? Or... Do you feel entitled and justif justify to yourself why you're allowed to do something stupid, hurtful, dangerous, risky, expensive? Are you one of those people who fall and just decide that, what, you're not a walker? <laughs> so you just lay there on the sidewalk? You give up? You let go of your dreams? You relegate yourself to, you know, being below average? This way you don't have to take a risk again and let yourself down. So you can lower the expectations thinking that you'll have less embarrassment and hurt when actually you're putting yourself in a category of people that we have no expectations on, which also means we have no admiration for. And so this is important for you to recognize it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk. So are you the person that wants to lower expectations? So maybe you don't make mistakes. So you don't aspire to great things. You don't invest in yourself. You don't try to be the best version of you. Maybe you'd rather be below average than have to face defeat or making a mistake. Well, I want you to understand you deserve another chance. You deserve forgiveness. You only get one life. So don't waste it because you can't get over your mistakes. See, there's this great Bible verse that says there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, that it's kind of comforting. It's like there's nothing new under the sun, and this means that, that none of our mistakes are necessarily original. They can only be original twice, right? So if, if someone does the, the sin or the mistake ahead of me, and I do it too, then I'm part of that group. All right, so we want to think about this is common to all people. So what will be considered original is how you decide to pick yourself up and learn from your mistake and encourage people as to what not to do. So I'm going to say that one more time. So you're going to make mistakes, and they're probably not going to be super original. 
but I want you to be considered original. It's how you decide to pick yourself up and learn from the mistake and encourage people as to what not to do. I want to be a wise person and learn from others' mistakes instead of having to make all the mistakes myself in order to learn. It's exhausting. So what does this actually mean to us? Well, don't we all love a comeback, right? It's so inspiring to see someone overcome adversity and to see how creative they can be in undoing and redoing their goal, their idea, their mistake. I mean, think of the Wright brothers. They were laughed at, scoffed at, rejected, but their willingness to continue to try new things and not be embarrassed by failures was astounding. You know, of course, we're not the Wright brothers, probably not Alexander Graham Bell, but our accomplishments, our ability to overcome within the scope of our life is always admirable. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about a good comeback and we talk about being helped if we've fallen. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today. And make sure that you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and take advantage of all of the products and the resources that we have for you. And I also want to encourage you to be going to the podcast, your favorite podcast server, because there are many shows all the way back, probably five, eight years, that you might also really appreciate. So we are talking about this concept, and I don't know, depending on your age, you might not have heard this, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. Well, how many of us have actually truly fallen and can't get up? Physically, not very many. But emotionally, psychologically, financially, you know, um, how about just part of being a part of the world, you know, friendship-wise? How about our, our relationships? And so I want you to think about, I don't want you to be the person that lowers the expectations so you don't make mistakes. I don't want you to be the person that won't aspire to great things. I don't want you to not invest in yourself. I don't want you to want to be below average so you don't have to face defeat. See, what does this actually mean to us? I want you to be the person that will be considered original. And this is the person that decides to pick themselves up, learn from their mistake, and encourage people what not to do. So I want to be a wise person. I want to learn from my mistakes instead of having to make all the mistakes myself in order to learn. So what does this actually mean? Well, like I said, don't we all love a great comeback? It's so inspiring to see someone overcome adversity, to see how creative they can be in undoing and redoing their goal or their idea. And we talked in the last segment about, you know, Alexander Graham Bell, the Wright brothers. I mean, we have so many people in history that did not give up. But our accomplishments, 
our ability to overcome within the scope of our life is always admirable. What I have found is that people are far more willing to forgive me than I am to forgive myself. I'm typically, I'm far more disturbed by my mistakes than others. And if I'm willing to fix what I have done in a very humble manner, I've become a hero to them. And they trust me even more. See, this is the paradox of trying and failing and becoming a hero in your failure, depending on how you handle it. Are you going to be your own hero? Are you willing to have a great comeback? And this can be in very small things. This can be in very large things. Like think about the driver that cuts in front of you and really didn't see you and is a very apologetic and, you know, waving their hand and saying, I'm sorry, you know, and they're trying to let you in. I mean, these are the people you don't stay mad at them. So we want to be that person. This is that that is a strange paradox of trying and failing and becoming a hero. So are you going to be your own hero? Are you willing to have a great comeback? At whatever level, maybe it's a marriage. Maybe, maybe you didn't raise your kids the way that you thought you should, and they're struggling. Well, are you going to show them how to do it differently? Are you going to tell them a tr- the truth and say, you know what, I don't think I knew what I was doing, and I think I might have failed you. But I can be a good dad now. I can be a good mom now. I can do what I didn't do. I can do that now. So we need heroes. Be your own hero. Surprise yourself. How do you fix something? How, how do you handle it correctly? How are you forgiving yourself? Your willingness to humble yourself to others, to ask for forgiveness. Not in a, in a con- weird, contrite way that says, you know, I'm a loser. I'm, you know, I suck. I'm terrible. Oh, my gosh. I don't deserve to be alive. No, this is the person that with humility says, okay, this is obvious. I messed up. I didn't do this right. I did not follow through. And I let you down. That is a person that actually heals whatever it was that they did. Because that validates the other person's experience. You're not, you're not talking them out of their experience, trying to convince them that you didn't really do what you did. So be the person that people admire because of how you handle your mistakes and moral failings. If you fall, get up, right? If you fall and end up hurting yourself, then rest, get the help that you need to get back on your feet. And I have had times in my life where I fell pretty hard. I needed some support to get back in the game. I needed some time. I needed some healing. And see, unfortunately, the people who have the weakest egos are the ones who can't get over themselves. And they get mad at everybody else and try to find ways to blame everybody else for their mistakes versus owning them, learning from them, and gaining new confidence and getting a new admiration from those around them. So I I have had many failures in my life. Some have just been mismanagement. You know, some might be laziness. Some have been naivete. Some have just been moral failures, and I knew better. And I realized that I was the one having the biggest problem with me. I was the one that was having the hardest time forgiving me. And I had to realize that if God can get over it and move on, who am I to not get over it? 
See, I can and need to move on. So what does this mean truly? We all love a comeback. We love to watch the greatest comebacks of all time. Now, I was channel surfing one evening and came across a skit from Saturday Night Live. And I want to be able to tell you this in its entirety because this was a phenomenal experience for me. And I want you to think about how are you forgiving you if you're willing to forgive others? Why are you not forgiving you? Why can you not move on? Why can you not get over it? And see, the more proud we are, <laughs> the more that we have some whatever idealized version of ourselves, the harder it is for us to get over our mistakes. The more humble we are, the more the mistake makes sense. I can say, yeah, that, that, that was me. That was my bad. Yes, I did that. That is one of the things I'm working on. And I'm sorry that it affected you. And that's a very brave thing to do. It's a very validating thing to do. And it causes people to trust you even more. Because you become a safe person. Not someone that's talking them out of their experience. Or justifying. Or lying. Or ignoring what you did. What you're doing is you're being contrite. You're being honest. You're being authentic in real time. And you're having the courage to own it, not to try to rationalize it. Now, the nice thing is, there are many people in my life, if I have messed up, they actually want, you know, some kind of a backstory. They want an explanation. And I appreciate it so much. But I never use my, my explanation as a justification. See, there is no justification for, for doing something wrong. There are, there are reasons why it happened. There are things that I missed or things that somebody else did that caused me to miss something else as well. So there's lots of explanations, but there's no justification. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about, wow, help I've fallen and I can't get up and how to do that well. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today. And if you're just tuning in, I want to make sure you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Lots of things, lots of things that are available to you to help you in your daily life and to really, truly be the best version of you. So make sure you go to CynthiaHyatt.com. You can also, if you go to the website, there is a link in the bio. And if you click on that link, it'll take you to all these wonderful handouts that we have created, study guides that we've created as well. So make sure you take advantage of that. Now, we are talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, this, this concept of help, I've fallen and I can't get up. Now, I grew up with that commercial, and I remember my siblings and I, we would always laugh at that. And, you know, as I've gotten older, it's not that funny. <laughs> I mean, I, it, it really isn't. What happens when we fall and we can't seem to get up? Or what happens if we fall and we don't want to get back up? See, this is where we need relationship. So I've had many failures in my life, and some have just been mismanagement. Some have been lazy. Some have been naivete. 
Some have just been moral failures, and I really did know better. And I realized that I was the one having the biggest problem with me. I was the one that was having the hardest time forgiving myself. <clears throat> and I had to realize that if God can get over it and move on, who am I to not get over it? So what does this mean truly? Well, we love comebacks. We love to watch greatest comebacks. And this is probably, maybe will be dating myself, but I was channel surfing this one evening and I came across a skit from Saturday Night Live, which I, I very, I, I don't watch that show. But I was fascinated because what I saw was, you know, this, this arena of all these people sitting in these stands and Jesus Christ is carrying his cross in front of all these people. And I was kind of starting to get a little offended, right? I thought, this isn't, this isn't funny. And so, but, but I was intrigued. So I continued watching and the most amazing thing happened as I watched. The camera panned to the audience watching Jesus carry his cross. And there was Arnold Schwarzenegger in his Terminator outfit. And he said to the camera, don't worry, he'll be back. <laughs> I will never get over that. I was amazed. I was, I, I was moved and I was energized. I was relieved. I thought this is amazing. I can always come back. Now, it may not be as good as, as I would have liked it to be, but there, are, there have been a lot of wreckage and damage that has happened. And I maybe did it ahead of time and I possibly felt like I could not undo it. But the greatest comeback of all is the willingness to be forgiven. That helps you come back. So this is so important. The people that have the great comebacks learn from their mistakes. And they don't blame others for their mistakes. And they get on with their life. They consider that everybody has only one life. So if we don't get over it, if we're not willing to come back and do our best a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth time. See, don't we love those people who rise from the ashes, people to, you know, crashed and burned and come back even better? Well, I want you to be that person. I'm telling you, I was getting inspired really just by writing this. So this is the most important thing. Think about this. The disciples went from being cowards to courageously defending their faith in Jesus of Nazareth. See, you don't make that kind of transformation in just a few weeks unless something dramatic happened in your life. And it did. Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to them. So Jesus told his disciples to wait until the Holy Spirit came upon them and they would have great power to go out and be his witness. And what began 2,000 years ago continues today. The same Jesus who rose from the dead is the same Jesus who will one day come again for all of us who put our faith in him. So Paul said that it was with the utmost importance that his readers understand the heart of his message about Christ. The heart of the message was Jesus died and rose again. This is what makes Christianity different than all other religions. It's what gives hope beyond death and into the eternal future that God has prepared for all of us. So, you know, in November of 2001, Sports Illustrated magazine was covering the Baseball World Series 
in which Arizona Diamondbacks recovered from a slump to defeat the New York Yankees in the last inning of the final game. Now, this was important to me because I live in Phoenix, right? I live in Arizona. So it started the editors thinking about the greatest comebacks in history. So they produced their list of the top 10 comebacks of all time. It was a broad list. And a couple of the comebacks were somewhat unusual. So join me in the next segment as we talk about the greatest comeback of all times. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Cynthia Hyatt, and this is Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. If you're just tuning in, make sure you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Lots of things there for you. If you go to my bio, there is a link, and you can click on that, and it will give you lots of great handouts and study guides and help, you know, in, in you becoming your own best version. So this show was really one of my favorite shows to do and to write, and I keep writing about it because this comes from that that commercial back, I think, in the 70s, maybe, yeah, the 70s, that of the woman that says, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. And I remember we used to kind of mock that as teenagers and young adults. But that saying, think about that, help, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. Well, many of us have fallen greatly, usually morally. We made a big mistake, and we don't know how to get back up. So how do we recover from a moral failing? How do we learn from our mistakes? How do you forgive yourself as others have forgiven you? See, the most difficult person to forgive is ourself. No one likes shocking themselves because of something they did that was immoral, unethical, inappropriate, you know, all those embarrassing things. But can you get over yourself? Will you allow yourself to become better because of the mistake and be known for the person that fixed it, that came back, took responsibility for it, undid what they could undo, and was humble enough to apologize for what they can't undo? So will you allow yourself to be that person Why do you waste all your time and energy covering it up and hoping no one finds it out? The most admirable people are the ones that learn from their mistakes and become better people because of it. It's easier to forgive people that are already sorrowful and to try to forgive people that will not take responsibility for their mistake and the subsequent chaos and the damage and the financial hardship and the disappointment that the relationship must endure and attempt to heal from. So again, we have this verse in Ecclesiastes 4.10. It says, Pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. And the New Living Translation, in Luke 8.17, says, For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought to the light and made known to all. Well, haven't we seen that? Always in the media? Those people are being found out all the time. So what causes us to fall, to make a bad choice, to go against our own value system? Is it our pride, insecurities, 
Are we lying to save face, to avoid consequences? Are we just maybe lying to ourselves? So I want you to really seriously think about when things seemed to be at their worst, God provided his very best. And this was through his, his son. And the disciples went from being cowards to courageously defending their faith in Jesus of Nazareth as the Messiah who had risen from the dead. See, you don't make that kind of transformation in just a few weeks unless something really dramatic happens in your life. And it did. Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to them. So Jesus told his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit and that they would have power to go out and to be his witness. And what began 2,000 years ago continues today. So this is why we want to think about the idea of a comeback. And when I told you that funny, really clever, you know, Saturday Night Live skit where Arnold Schwarzenegger is sitting in the stands with all these Roman, you know, participants, and they're watching Jesus carry his cross through the town. And the camera pans to Arnold Schwarzenegger in his Terminator outfit, and he looks at the camera and says, don't worry, he'll be back. So we want to think about that. He has shown us exactly we need to keep coming back. And it's tough. I mean, I've had, you know, failures in my life that I I just don't like. I don't like doing that. But you know what? I needed to come back. And so what happened was, you know, Sports Illustrated magazine was covering the Baseball World Series in Arizona. And the Diamondbacks recovered from a slump, and they defeated the New York Yankees in the last inning of the final game. And it started the editors thinking about the greatest comebacks in history. So they produced this list of the top 10 comebacks of all time. And it was a broad list. And a couple of the comebacks were somewhat unusual. So here's number 10 of those great comebacks. Elvis Presley reviving his sagging career as a result of his TV special in 1968. Number nine was Ludwig Wittgenstein who in 1929, after quitting academia to teach primary school and to labor as a gardener, he returns to Cambridge University to begin philosophical investigations, the seminal work of the 20th century Anglo-American philosophy. How about number eight? I hope you remember these. I do. Go-Go Boots which in 2000, three decades after their kicky heyday, staged a surprising fashion revival. How about this? Harry Truman's 1948 victory over Thomas Dewey when all the polls had him losing. How about the recovery of humanity from the Black Plague of the 14th century when 25 million Europeans died? Number five, Muhammad Ali returning from his forced seven-year exile from boxing to K.O. George Foreman in Zaire and reclaim the heavyweight championship. John Travolta revived his movie career in 1984 by starring in Pulp Fiction. How about this? Michael Jordan giving up his attempts to play baseball and returning to his first love, which was basketball. So among the all-time comebacks was a tie between Japan and Germany because they were devastated in world, the Second World War. But they became world economic powers within one generation. 
Now you're going to love this. This is what really just made my, I, I, this, was, this was staggering to me. Number one comeback of all times. Named by the editors of Sports Illustrated Magazine in November 12th, the 2001 issue. The greatest comeback of all time, Jesus Christ. Stuns Romans and defies critics by his resurrection from the grave. So I want you to think about this. The fourth quarter really is the only one that counts, right? So he's starting over. Maybe some biblical references and stories. That helps. You know, we have, how about people coming into the new 50s? Like life stories that you know about and are your own. You know, I'm, I'm past, you know, I'm in my 50s. I mean, I can't believe it. See, ending well, what does that mean socially or emotionally, generationally or spiritually? So what roadblock, what roadblocks might impede the process? So like, maybe it's the way I view my age. Maybe I'm making assumptions about myself. Maybe I can't forgive myself, which is causing me to not be able to live my life currently. See, can an old dog really learn new tricks? Yes. What will others think? I mean, I don't know. Do they really care? Do they really care? If you succeed, what a great story you have. So the big difference between strategy and execution. First of all, doubting ourselves and taking some things too seriously. So when you think about this, the locker room, who are your coaches? Who are your coaches in your life? See, Job didn't have good coaches. Jesus didn't have good coaches. Everyone needs a locker room time to regroup and re-energize and fire coaches that aren't helping you. So don't be in the stands or walking off the field, you know, so that you can like, I don't know, live in the parking lot and have your life become a tailgate party. You are worth more than that. I want you to claim your life. I don't care what your past is. As long as you learn from it, you are a hero. So if you're in the locker room, remember that there are people out in the stands waiting for you, wanting to cheer you on. The world is like a stadium. There is a reason you were born. God does have a plan, and I want you to get out there and play the game that God has created for you to do. The game he has designed, destined you to play. So I really want you to compete only with yourself, not with others. They have their own sport, their own game, and their own stadium to play in. So number one, set your vision. Clarity is the antidote for anxiety. And, you know, one of the things that people find in my office is that the truth always sets people free, even if it's hard, even if it's scary, even if it's harsh. The truth always sets us free. So when you are setting your vision for your future and what you want your future to look like, I first want you to certainly consult God because he is the greatest coach of all times. And he did create you. Ask for vision from him. Make sure that you're contending with your own anxiety. And I want you to set goals. 
Now, it doesn't mean that every goal that you write down or set you're going to achieve because sometimes we set goals to get us somewhere, but we end up really not wanting to be where that goal took us, right? But I want you to set the goals. I want you to have something out there that you are focusing on instead of just looking down at your shoes. I want you to communicate your vision. I want you to be loud about it. Speak it out loud. Make sure that you are owning it. You can change the vision. You can modify it. But it's important to talk things out loud because you have to understand that words create things. This is how God made the universe, made each and every one of us. He spoke things into existence. Now, I'm not saying this is like magic or something. What I'm saying is when you speak those words, your brain latches onto them and starts to make a plan to make whatever you said happen. So if you say, I'm so fat, I'll never lose this weight, your brain doesn't think about whether that's right or wrong. It just simply says that's the address. So we're going to make sure that you stay fat and never get, never have any success. So I want you to set goals. I want you to take action. I want you to make two decisions a day toward that goal. No matter how small, execute something. Break it down into the smallest pieces possible in order to move toward the goal. Think about this. God cannot steer a parked car. Now, I've parked many times in my life. <laughs> Sometimes it was because maybe I crashed. Sometimes I parked because I was too exhausted. I didn't want to go any farther. Sometimes I parked because I didn't know where to go. Sometimes I parked because I didn't trust the vehicle I was in, which is my body, my brain, me. So redefining your life, reevaluating your life, redoing your life always needs to start with the designer of your life. And Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 says, For I know the plans I have for you. They are to prosper you, not to harm you, for a hope and a future. So you can trust this. So first and foremost, I want you to really focus on the future that you want to have happening. I want you to take care of the present that you're in, and I want you to simply learn from the past. I don't want you to beat yourself up with it. It doesn't do any good. But this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated 
and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be 